If you don't mind, we'll uh, read the scriptures as we go through with the sermon this morning, if that's okay with you. Uh, but Hebrews chapter 12, you may want to have Hebrews chapter 12 looked up. Uh, it's an area that we'll actually be going to. I want to do a series over the next three weeks. We've just finished uh, with the commemoration or the celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And that's been uh, a wonderful time of celebration, I'm sure. And we don't want to just leave aside anything else about Jesus at the moment. So I want to really do three weeks on three wonderful themes concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. One is the triumph he enjoyed. And the second, next week, God willing, the legacy that he left. And in the third week, the return that he promised. I hope you can see from these uh, headings, these themes, that they are very important to us. And God's going to teach us, I'm sure, some vital lessons from these uh, scriptures and, and from these studies. But let's just begin with a prayer. Let's come before God in prayer. Loving God, we want to thank you for the fresh opportunity we have to come before you and your words. And we just pray for your anointing upon your word. And we just pray, Lord, today that you'll open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And we ask you, loving God, to enlighten us by your Holy Spirit into truth, the truth of the Word of God. And we thank you, Lord, for all who have gathered here today. You know the needs that we have that are represented in this congregation. You know, Lord, the families that we represent, we just pray for your hand of blessing and healing and strength to be upon each of our families today. May we be encouraged in our faith. May we be challenged as well, Father, in the things that we learn from your word. And give us a fresh understanding of what you want us to do with our lives. And forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have not been listening to you, when we have gone our own way, and we need to be brought back on track again. And we ask you, Lord, to teach us how we might get onto that narrow path that leads to life and get to know the Lord Jesus Christ for ourselves. And so we just want to give you this time that we spend together. We remember those, Lord, who are on the mission field, those who are far away from us but serving you overseas. And we thank you, Lord, for the desire you've put in their hearts to take the word of God to some difficult areas of our world. We pray for your care and protection to be upon each one of your servants seeking to proclaim the good news of Jesus all over the world. We remember those who are persecuted for their faith, that they would find strength in these prisons, that they would find encouragement, and that you would take them up and use them as well. But we pray most of all for their freedom, that they would be able to go back to their homes and their families. And we ask, Lord, for the Church of Jesus Christ to be in prayer to support them in every way. Thank you for the church here. We pray for the leaders of the fellowship, that they would know wisdom from above, that there would be a, a tremendous sense of your nearness as they seek your face for the future of the fellowship here in Middlesbrough. We thank you for this community and for the opportunities to reach out in the name of Jesus. Lord, be with us in a special way today, we pray 
in Christ's name. Amen. So the first one that we're looking at today is the triumph that Jesus enjoyed. I don't know what you were like at school sports, but I was endowed with a special degree of stiffness. (laughs) So when it came to the flat race, I was always last. It reminded me of a poem that we used to get at school. Maybe some of you have heard of it. It was called the, the Duke of Plaza Toro. And he always led his army from behind. So that when the army retreated, he would be the first back. <laughs> that was a bit like that. I was always kind of stiff. Always kind of last in the races. And yet, you know, the Christian life is meant to be like a race. If you have your Bible with you and you turn the scriptures to Romans chapter 12, the first three verses of that chapter says this, Therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I don't know if you've ever considered what kind of race the Christian race really is. I can tell you right away, it's not a short sprint. You're in it for the long distance. It's a long distance race. And that's why the writer to the Hebrews tells us that we run this race with patience or perseverance. Because we're in it for the long haul. I think the London Marathon's coming up soon. And there's one of our relations, or through our, uh, Hazel's husband, Charles, his relation, his brother, is uh, practicing for the London Marathon. And that takes quite a bit of discipline. But it's very true that the Christian life is like a long distant race that requires some kind of discipline in their lives to go the whole way, to go the pace. And the Bible says you need perseverance. Let's run with perseverance the race race that is sent before us. But not only is it a long distance race, but I think we all realise that the Christian life is an obstacle race. And maybe you've discovered already there are a few obstacles to overcome along the way. And we find that the Apostle Paul realised that. That there were obstacles in the way of his race as a Christian. And so he says in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7, I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. There are some theological colleges today where you could say, I've finished the faith and I've kept the course. <laughs> but that's not what the Bible teaches us at all. The Bible teaches what Paul says, I've finished the course and I have kept the faith. And that all has to do, this race of life has something to do with the triumph that Jesus enjoyed. We'll never understand what it means to run that race with patience unless we realize the triumph that Jesus has enjoyed. Because Jesus has been on the track before us. He has run the race. He knew all about patience and perseverance. Perseverance. 
He knew about all the obstacles along the way. Let me tell you about the few obstacles that Jesus had to overcome. Number one was this. The vicious onslaught of the enemy, the devil himself. The vicious onslaught of the enemy, the devil. You may remember when we were going through the temptations of Jesus. How that Satan tempted him for 40, was 40 days in the wilderness, tempted of the evil one. And what we find there in Luke chapter 4 and verse 13, it says in that chapter that the devil left him only for a season. And later on in the story of the Gospels, we find it said that Satan entered into the heart of Peter. And Peter the disciple tried to put Jesus off the cross. Peter says to Jesus, this is not going to happen to you. And Jesus kind of looked at Peter and says, get behind me Satan. Jesus could see the enemy in what Peter was actually saying. But not only that, but the Bible tells us that the devil entered into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. So the devil only left Jesus in the wilderness for a season. He was there in the heart of Peter. He was there in the heart of Judas. And he was there to try and bring Christ down. And so we find that Jesus had to overcome the the vicious attacks of the enemy. And sometimes we have to realise in our own lives that the attacks that we are experiencing in our lives is the work of the enemy. That sometimes we have given the, the enemy, the devil himself, a foothold in our lives. And he's seeking to bring us down. He's seeking to destroy the good that the Lord has placed in your heart and mind. I mean, we need to recognize that. We need to be able to say that the devil is the father of lies. When the devil comes and says to us, you deserve an easier life. You deserve a life without any hardships and and without any suffering. Friends, that's lies. Because the Bible says that we will have to endure hardship and suffering. But the Bible said, I want you to endure these things as good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when somebody comes along and tells you there is an easier life, there's an easier way, with no hardship and no suffering, that's the devil. He's the father of lies. Because it's going to be tough to live the Christian life in the world in which we live today. We need to recognize that and be able to be endure as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. How did Jesus overcome the enemy in the wilderness? By the power of the Holy Spirit and the application of the word of God. And that same Holy Spirit is here with us. That same power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the word of God is available for your life and for my life. That we might overcome the vicious onslaughts of the enemy, the devil himself. Here's the second obstacle that Jesus had overcome. Not only the vicious onslaughts of the enemy, but the ever-growing opposition of these religious leaders. What were these religious leaders trying to do? They were trying to frustrate his plans. They were trying to silence his testimony. They were trying to kill him. Now thankfully, we don't live in a country at the moment, praise God, where people are trying to kill off Christians. But that's very true in some countries of our world, especially Muslim countries, where they're trying to kill off Christians and have them put in prison at times. 
they know this, there are folk who try to frustrate God's plans in your life and mine. There are folks who try to silence our testimony. In Jesus' case it was the authorities, but in your case it might be people at your work. It could be members of your family, a husband or a wife, it might even be church people. The Christian life is the most fulfilling life that you'll ever experience. But you need to know that it's the church's people. And where there are people, you'll get disagreements, you'll get misunderstandings, but you'll have the wonderful joy to belong to the most wonderful family in the world, the family of God. Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Now if you've just discovered that the church is not as perfect as you thought it was, have a look in the mirror sometime. <laughs> have a look in the mirror. The third obstacle that Jesus had to deal with was his own disciples. So slow to learn. So little in faith. So prone to failure. Anyone else would have given up on them. But Jesus didn't. He didn't give up on his disciples. He loved them. He understood them. He shared his life with them. And he does the same for each one of us. When we are slow to learn and little in faith and prone to failure, the Lord comes alongside. He will not give up on us. He comes alongside and gives us his companionship and his help. And the miracle is that Jesus took these 12 disciples and he shaped them into the most wonderful power for good throughout the world. They turned the world upside down, or as somebody else put it, the right way up. These wonderful disciples that God used to spread the story. And the truth is that Jesus went on to finish. To finish the race. He steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem. And what a finish! What a start even. To remember the tremendous crowd that he had at the start of his life. At the, at the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2 and verse 13. With a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. And the angels were there in the wilderness to minister to Jesus. The angel cheered him on in the wilderness. And the angel strengthened him in Gethsemane. They were at his tomb. The host of the angels at his ascension. It's all part of the triumph of the crucified. And because he ran that race, his race is run. Folks, we can run the race. We can keep going. Because he has triumphed for us. Isn't that wonderful? He's triumphed for us. And because his race is run, we can run with perseverance. Now there's a second part then to the triumph of Jesus. Namely, his work is done. And that too is part of the triumph of Jesus Christ. John chapter 17 and verse 4, Jesus says to his father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now on the cross, that was the last thought of Jesus on the cross, before he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. What did Jesus say? He says, it is finished. Tetelestai, if you want it in Greek. Take that home to your dinner. That would be impressive, wouldn't it? <laughs> Tetelestai. It is finished. Tremendous word. And it wasn't that Christianity was finished. 
It was the cause for which he came and died. This act of redempting, redeeming love, of atoning redemption. And the supreme business of his life was completed, and yet at such a cost. It even seemed like to the disciples defeat rather than victory. Jesus had promised so much, he claimed so much, he meant so much, but to these disciples it was like defeat. To them it was all over. But of course the resurrection told a different story. You see folks, the triumph was not found in the disciples after Calvary. The triumph was found in God. It was found in God. Why do I say that? You'll see it there in Philippians 2 and verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. God exalted him. And it says in Acts 2 and 24 that God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it's impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And because that's true, that God exalted him to the right hand, that God raised him from the dead, that sin cannot have dominion over us. It shall not, it will not, it ought not, because it tells us that in Romans chapter 6. Sin will not have dominion over you because of the wonderful triumph of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, the work is done. And the good news is, and you need to hear this again and again. You can't add to a finished work. You cannot add to a completed work. Can you imagine the scene? You're going to heaven and you take this box with you. In this box you've got your Sunday school certificate. You've got your baptismal certificate. You've got your confirmation certificate. You've got all these wonderful letters of all the works that you've done. And you hand them over to St. Peter at the gate and say, This is it. This is all the works that I have done. And St. Peter said, Well, I need to open it up for inspection. And they open it up for inspection. And all that's inside are filthy rags. That's all that's inside. Because the Bible says that all our righteousness is as filthy right. You cannot add anything to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's because of the triumph of Jesus on the cross and because the work is done that we get into heaven when we accept Jesus Christ into our Saviour. Forget about the Sunday school certificate and the baptismal certificate and the confirmation certificate. They won't be required, folks. Leave them here. Because when we get to glory, it will be on the basis of the finished work of Christ upon the cross. You know folks, we cannot uh, do all these works and think that God's going to add them all up and give you some kind of score. That's not how it works. God has only got one record. And that's the record of the names in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name isn't there, you ain't getting in. You're going somewhere else to a lost eternity. It's the names of those who are in the Lamb's book of life. Those who have said, Lord, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. I have based my salvation on your grace. And the finished work of Christ on the cross. And Peter says, or whoever says at the gates, welcome. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. 
I was pleased that Graham played that uh, lovely hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. You all know it was written by John Newton. And John Newton never forgot about the grace of Jesus, the grace of God. Did you know that within two or three years of losing his life, of dying, that he lost his sight? And he couldn't read the scriptures anymore. He was a minister. He couldn't preach. He couldn't read the scriptures. And so what they used to do was they got a minister friend of his who would come for breakfast. And after breakfast, this minister friend would read John Newton, the word of God. And this great John Newton who wrote that wonderful hymn, he would comment on the scriptures that were read to him. And they would have a prayer together. But there was one morning when this minister friend was with him and he actually said something. He mentioned a verse of the Apostle Paul that said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And instead of John Newton commenting right away, there was a, a deathly silence. There was a silence. And his minister friend was wondering when he was going to add a few thoughts. And here's what John Newton said. He says this, I'm not what I ought to be. How imperfect and how deficient I am. And he said to this minister friend, I'm not what I wish to be. Although I abhor that which is evil and I cleave to that which is good. I'm not what I wish to be. And he said also to this minister, I'm not what I hope to be. Someday I shall put off mortality with all its sin and imperfection. But he said this to his minister friend. Though I'm not what I ought to be. Not what I wish to be. Not what I hope to be. I can truly say this. I'm not what I once was. I'm not what I once was. A slave to sin and to Satan. I can heartily join with the apostle. And say that by the grace of God. I am what I am. Friends the work is done. It's a work of grace in your heart and mind. Let me just put it to you on the line. And, and please never forget this. That works are the fruit of salvation. Not the root. The root of salvation is the grace of God. The finished work of Christ upon the cross. The fruit of salvation is works. But the root of salvation is grace. Through faith. And that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. The triumph that he enjoyed. His race is run. His work is done. And here's the final thing about the victor's crown on Jesus' head. We can see this victor's crown in the word of God. From its earthly side or from its heavenly side. From the earthly side of his victory concerning the ascension. We're taken to the, the Mount of Olives in the word of God. That hill was so closely associated with the Lord. And Bill Wood saw it from a different angle on top of a camel. But we'll not say any more about that. <laughs> but anyway, a very precious sight is the Mount of Olives. That mountain was the scene of his solitude. It was the scene of his sorrow. It was the scene of his submission. It was the scene of his supremacy. And it was from this spot. And it's from this spot he departed on the final stage of his triumph. And folks, it will be to that spot he's going to return. 
to that spot he will return. And after his last words to the disciples, he lifted up his hand to bless them, and he was taken up into glory before them. And he told them this, it's good for you that I am going. Because something of that truth must have got through to the disciples. It says there in Luke's gospel that they returned to Jerusalem full of joy. They must have realized what Jesus was saying. It's good for you that I go to my Father. Because you see, this was the precondition of the coming of the Holy Spirit for us. And Jesus says that this coming of the Holy Spirit won't happen until I go to my Father. After I go to my Father, I will send another comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit. And he will give gifts to the church. It was so important. But you can see this wonderful triumph, you know, from heaven's side. Not just from the ascension that was seen by earth, that was seen by the disciples, but from heaven's side. Jesus was conducted to the right hand, a place of authority beside the Father on high. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty majesty in heaven what a sense of triumph there must have been in heaven the crown is won the crown is won his heavenly crown he will one day return to rule the earth over all the nations what does all this say to us what does all this say to us today it says to us this make Jesus king crown him lord of all in your life or the old hymn says king of my life I crown thee now thine shall the glory be oh what joy it is when faith lifts up its eyes as it were to the future even now in the heavens and will shout with that note of triumph those great words of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels now crowned with glory and honour we see Jesus like that now crowned with glory and honour oh today folks that we could grasp something of the triumph that he enjoyed we see it in the fact his race is run he ran with perseverance he overcame the obstacles of the devil the rulers <coughs> the slowness of the disciples we see it in the fact that his work is done. It's finished. You can't improve on a finished work. Works are the fruit, not the root of our salvation. We see it in the fact that his crown is won. But we see Jesus now crowned with glory and honour. His race is run. His work is done. His crown is won. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The triumph of the crucified. Hallelujah. Next week, God willing, we'll look at the legacy that he left. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, we just want to rely today on the triumph of the cross. Lord, there are people in the world today who are relying on their good works. They think they can present something to God that is going to turn into filthy rags at the very gate of heaven and will get them nowhere. But we are saved by grace and by grace we are what we are 
in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for any here today who don't realize that as yet, who would open up their hearts and say, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Help them to rejoice in the triumph of the crucified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.